This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and I have a special co-host today. Jake Simon, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Doug? Doing awesome, and it's uh, getting a little cooler outside. It's like kind of fall weather now, which is nice. It's looking that way. 60 and cloudy on the way over. It's uh, not a bad ride over. Not too bad. You can't see the mountains as well, but it's a fair trade-off from the 100-degree heat we were dealing with. Yeah, that's Colorado life. We see clouds or rain or any precipitation, and we get excited for that. It's a drastic difference from Ohio. And uh, the, the funny thing, I got to remember this, like we're going to publish this episode sometime in the future, so it'll probably be wintertime, and they'll think, why are they talking about fall, you morons? But you know what? I'll learn eventually today that we're going to talk about golden handcuffs and, you know, what it is, sort of what it means to both Jake and myself and just observations on this sort of concept. Cause it's, uh, I think it hits more people, especially like as you move up in your career, depending on what you, what you do, you can see this around you quite a bit. So before we get into it, um, I just got back from uh, FinCon not too long ago, and that was in Orlando. It was a blast. And Jake, you and I went together to uh, the Austin FinCon in what year was that? Twenty twenty one. That was twenty one. Yeah. And had you been before? Like you, you weren't able to join this year, which was sad. But um, yeah, I couldn't make it this year. I did Austin in twenty twenty one, and then in twenty was it nineteen where they were in DC. Um, I went to DC, so that was my first. I've been to two, missed this year, but I'm certainly looking forward to next year in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm pumped. I um, I, I missed the, uh, I think the the discount tickets were uh, just ended ah. recently, but um, I like to have just a little bit of uh, option to make sure I'm not going to be out of town that weekend or whatever. But should be pretty fun. Um, one of my <laughs> one of my observations, I can't remember if I did this um, when we were hanging out a bunch in Austin, but it's uh it's loud everywhere they're like there's um there were djs and just loud music and even just a happy hour with food and drinks it's like you're at a concert so i i brought earplugs everywhere i was like an old oh, yeah. man but you know i'm trying to protect my hearing um as you know i went to too many concerts as a kid or something but yeah did you notice that when you were there yes it's always loud and i notice it from a standpoint where it's hard for me to hear when people talk i my hearing's not great as it is. So I working in manufacturing, I'm always wearing earplugs using hearing protection. I would not venture out with hearing protection, even in those loud situations though, because I struggle to hear people when they talk normally. So uh, that would just inhibit my ability to hear, but I, I definitely, uh, definitely know what you're talking about, especially at the evening events. Um, but even being in the crowd when, depending on what the hall looks like, just all the chatter around, it's, it's kind of, it, it's a lot of noise. It's, it's loud, but also there's so many, voices it, it it almost drowns other things out just because there's so many voices around right and yeah def definitely an old man here but i'm like i'm pretty sure like everyone i talked to they were saying it's too loud and the music's too loud can we please go to another place so i'm hoping they're going to switch it that would be my main feedback like just people are trying to talk not listen to the dj there's a right. handful right 
the people that want to listen to it can go to the place. But, yeah, um, no, I, that's, that's been feedback for, that was in DC and Austin. Um, and that's, that's where I kind of look for events where it will be at least more mellow and quieter. There was a rooftop in Austin that was awesome because it was outdoor, but it was a bar still. So it wasn't loud inside. Um, there was a rooftop in DC. Those always seem to be good places. Um, but also did you consider that everyone was saying it's loud because you were shouting at them with your earplugs in? <laughs> the thing is, I, um, I hardly said anything because I didn't want to lose my voice. We recorded like six episodes. Um, I still pretty much lost my voice, just like the little bit of whispering I was doing. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I also want kids to get off my lawn and wh- whatever, right? Yeah. Old man. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about golden handcuffs. Now, Jake, this was um, this was your idea, which yeah. was awesome because then you could kind of pull me along here. So yeah, what do, what do golden handcuffs mean to you and just sort of a broad definition? So I think golden handcuffs are at the latter end of your FI journey. So if you're, if you've hit your FI number or you're so close to it, where, um, really you're like a lot of us that drag their feet and actually pulling the trigger. Um, you feel like you're on that hairy edge, but, and you can leave, or maybe you're fat fi and you know, you could leave any day. Uh, I think that's a, a big part of this golden handcuffs thing. Um, where you're in a situation where you're financially in, in a good place, but your company is incentivizing you to stay around. And I think there, you know, I've seen many ways to do it. Um, one of the most straightforward ways is they just pay you a lot of money to do what you're doing. If you've got a handsome income and feel like your job isn't overly difficult, it's kind of hard to walk away from that. Um, especially if you can make it work with, with personal time and making sure you can do the other things you want to do. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, as you climb in your career, there's, you know, the more, quintessential golden handcuffs where they're offering you maybe a bonus, um, but it's payable in six months or in a year. So that's kind of the short term golden handcuffs that you'll see sometimes where, okay, here, here's a one-time bonus and it's payable, uh, next May. Um, but then, uh, more more typical would be in a management position where you have to vest a, a bonus. So you've got a, a bonus and it, it may take one year to vest, it may take five years to vest, but they give you that bonus and it's a usually a pretty good chunk of change, but it, you won't realize that income, that cash until, you know, one, two, three years out. And we did um, an episode with our friend JT and you know, a lot of tech companies will have stock compensation or some sort of stock option or something again with a vesting period where it's a few years. So they're roping you in and they'll keep giving you like more of those options that mature at a later date. Right. And at that management level or at, you know, certain levels, it's, it's continuous. So it's not like they, you get promoted and you get this and five years later, you're vested. No, it's every year you're getting this bonus. And at any point in your future, if you leave, you may be leaving anywhere from one to five years of money on the table. That could be $10,000. That could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep. And I have a, a friend who he left uh, Microsoft and he was like in that sort of uh, position. I, I, th- I think he even said he was at meetings with Bill Gates, like that, that high up. And at some point he burned out and he was like, there's more to life and, and went on a, uh, a sabbatical for a few years and tra- traveled the world and, you know, really burned out. So he got realigned, basically left enough money that, uh, 
probably he he was at a five point if he you know had those realized gains, which is just it's crazy to think about like having so much at stake and then having to make a decision where you're like, you know what, I have to leave whatever six hundred thousand dollars on the table and just it's gone like right crazy yeah. I didn't, I didn't have to make any decision like that. Especially, so. you know, people listening to this, people that are really you know, paying attention to their money, you could be fat fi and still all that money. It's it's kind of hard to leave behind. It's it's hard to walk away from. It's a big chunk of change. So at some point in time, you need to decide to do that or decide whether you want to do that. And yeah, I think it's, you know, part of it is like the mindset of like, you know, we're, we're trying to be smart with our money. We're trying to save. So we're in the, the mindset of being really intentional with money. And if there's so much on the table that you could just walk away from, like it's, it's sort of incongruent, like it's, those are detached ideas and it's really hard to walk away from some huge amount of money yet you're, uh, you know, using coupons for dates like Carl, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And have you, have you seen, um, this firsthand, uh, uh, and I'll leave that open. Yeah. 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 I, so first, uh, I, I've seen it firsthand. I've got a, a story I'll tell in a second, but, uh, I, you know, I, I'm experiencing it firsthand. Um, yeah, recently and it's been, it's been a couple years, but, um, and you know, got to the point in my company where I do have the, that bonus where it takes five years to fully vest and that comes every year. So, uh, my mentality when I saw that was, that's not my money right now. Of course, if I stick around, it's my money, but I don't consider it in my financial plan at all. I don't, I don't consider that, uh, you know, in any way, part of my FI journey, it is extra money. If I happen to be around at that time, I don't want to count, you know, count my chickens before they hatch because who knows, you know, I could get fired. I could walk away. I, I might do something else and I'm not relying on that money, but I think, um, you know, it's, it's important to acknowledge. And then it, it keeps me around to an extent, but I think, uh, you know, in my present state, it gives me the opportunity to really take a look at uh, where I'm at and if I want to leave. Um, and I think that's an opportunity for people. And I, th that's what I would suggest part of this conversation here. I wanted to talk about is, okay, you've got the golden handcuffs. If you're happy with your job, do you stick around? Maybe it's only a three-year thing and then you'll be fully vested. And okay, if that's the case, if you're if it's a short-term thing and you know that if you stick around for maybe it's only six months and you get your bonus or maybe it's three years and you're vested, what do you use that time to do? Now, for me, I'm optimizing my life. I'm looking at where I want to spend my time. And that's undoubtedly with my family, with my kids. So can I put myself in a position where I get to be home with them in the morning before they go to school? Um, or maybe I get to be home with them in the afternoon when they get home. Maybe it's both if I'm really lucky, but how do I, how do I make more time for the family? Um, and that's an important thing to look at. And, you know, a discussion that you're probably in a position with your company that you can have that discussion that, okay, I need, I need more time. I need to be able to be with my family. And maybe you're switching your working hours around something like that. Uh, there's also the thought of, okay, if, if I left my job, what would I do? Um, you know, may, maybe there's things now where I can stay at my job and have this handsome income and maybe get these bonuses or whatever that may be, but I can be happier. What makes me happier more time? I would never hire a cleaning lady to clean my house. That's just, I actually get some gratification out of cleaning myself. I, I like to declutter. I like to clean things up, but do I like doing that more than spending time with my kids? No. So maybe I haven't done this, but maybe I hire someone to clean my house once every couple months, kind of a deep clean thing is what my wife's talking about. Mm. 
that, you know, I've got the money now, so why not do that? If it frees up time, it's a conversation you and Carl have a lot um, on the podcast of you've got more, if you have more time than money or more money than time, how do you buy some time? Yep. Can your kids help you clean the house? My my seven year old likes to mow, um, and he you know he's he, he can barely see over the <laughs> mower bar, but he manages, and it doesn't look great, but he does it for me, and I pay him. I, I say, hey, how do you want to earn money? And you know, I'm trying to teach them about money, and it just doesn't fall off trees. So uh, he's asking me how he can make a hundred dollars. I say, well, you can mow the lawn. 10 times. Oh man. Um, How big your, you got a big yard. Don't it's, you? it's a decent size. Yeah. Um, oh, I pay him, I paid him $20 last time he did it. <laughs> That's good. That's good though. But I, I think you're under, underpricing. I haven't seen the quality though. It sounds like maybe he's not a great. I, I still do the weed eating and usually have to touch up some strips that he misses, but uh, <laughs> he, he's learning. I, I also take the approach of I water my lawn so little in Colorado that it barely stays alive and I only have to mow once a month or so. Okay. Got it. And yeah, I got us a little off track there. Um, the other observation that I've had, well, and you know what, I'll, I'll talk about myself for a second. I think I maybe felt like I had uh, some very light golden handcuffs, maybe like a, like a golden uh, like rope tied around my hand or something. But it was just a decent salary. You know, looking back, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm well paid, blah, blah, blah. It was fine. N nothing crazy. And after I got laid off, I went on to earn more money. So I thought I was in a good spot, but I didn't realize that I had like more potential in a different industry. I just, I didn't know it existed. So I think that could, you know, be something where, you know, people feel the really complacency. Cause I was like, ah, this is fine. Pretty good salary. I'm not taking any risks. I'm not challenging myself in a big way. I'm just like, following along with the, the corporate, uh, you know, mantra and, and like, you know, tr try to get promoted every few years and like, just stick around, like your hard work will get you know, rewarded. You just have to put in your time again and again. Yeah. And it's politics and BS and not really about the work that you're doing. Right. Um, yep. So a lot of complacency. And then one of my other did you have anything to respond with that? Or? And no, you kind of mentioned climbing a corporate ladder. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a good, you know, and, and then you mentioned you didn't even recognize you had the golden handcuffs. So that's something to call out. There's a spectrum. You know, it, it may just be that that loose uh, loose cord around your wrist. Yeah. But uh, yeah. still, it, it's a real thing. And I recognize it. And maybe you want to, let's say, take advantage of it if you have that. Um, and if you get complacent, maybe you can bite off a little bit more or make more time for your personal life. Or, you know, maybe there's a way you can use those golden handcuffs to your advantage. And uh, yeah, side note, actually, that's exactly what I did. I was like, I actually have a lot of free time if I'm not trying too hard at the day job. So I started like side hustles and stuff. There so. you go. Some people would approach their boss and say, hey, you know, I, I've got a little extra time. Can I get more work? Or maybe, hey, I, I need to flex my time a little bit. Or is it okay if I work on this on the side? Doug would just go <laughs> ahead and do it and end up spending six of his eight hours on his side hustles probably. Yeah. You know, uh, I and I tried, I tried the like, you know, do, do a little extra, like become essential to your project, which is uh, terrible. Never be good at a job that you don't want to do. It's like, then you're, you're not going to, they're not going to move you off of that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I did observe, um, several of my friends, especially when they stuck around 
at their company for quite a while. So I have a friend, he's still at the first company that he started with, it's going on like 20 years right now. And he basically had lifestyle creep um, the, the whole time. Not, not actually, not even creep, like they intentionally were like upgrading houses, upgrading cars, going along with like the corporate um, sort of uh, ideals for that particular company. So now they're in, you know, a much bigger house, a much more expensive house in a more expensive area with like, you know, fancy new trucks and cars and stuff like that. They're pretty much roped in to keep working until they're 70 or whatever. They have a few kids as well. So it's like, I mean, they really upgraded their lifestyle. Now, maybe he loves his job, but I've heard him complain. So I don't think he does exactly. So certainly they could change, they could shift gears like any of us can and downgrade their lifestyle, end up in a spot where, you know, they're moving towards like a, a phi ideal, uh, ideal or idea. They're moving towards phi. And that is just not really on their radar. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause I'm like, I know he wants, he and his wife want to spend time with their kids and their family, their aging parents, all that stuff, they, he doesn't really want to get on a plane and travel like every week. Right. No, and you, you bring up a great point. That's a big risk of the golden handcuffs or just a salary that's more than you really need. That's how most Americans get in a situation of lifestyle creep. They they have more money than they technically need or, you know, need for their lifestyle that they're perfectly happy with. And then, you know, over the years that creeps away, um, that's something that, you know, and since I kind of hit my fine number, I've been focused on what truly makes me happy. What do I, you know, need versus want? Um, sure, there's a lot of things that I want and I'll go, I'll buy them or I'll do those things. Wants are part of life. That's what makes us happy. That's what, you know, uh, really, uh, I'm not going to say you should only be buying things you truly need. Wants are a great thing. And, you know, so over the past couple of years, I've think, thought about what do I really want? And, you know, I've spent more money on things that, you know, maybe it's a backpack for hiking or, you know, things, they're, they're items, but they'll last a decade or two, you know, they'll, they'll last longer, but I'm trying to balance that creep because yeah, right now I hit five, I still have a job. I've got those golden handcuffs, but I don't want to get to the position where I'm just throwing money out because we've got it and we don't necessarily need to keep building our funds. Um, because there's, there's the real risk that you can take that mentality and hit five. And then two years later, when you're still at your job, realize, Oh wow, we're spending, Twenty, thirty thousand dollars more a year than we were two years ago. We're no longer at five at this expenditure. Yep. Yeah, and to that point, switching gears, you rode up here on a new bike, new brand new fancy pink bike. What's going on with that, man? Yeah. So that's that's kind of a hobby, actually. I did note that for this conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was just thinking about things, and that's one of them. Where you know, similar to your guitars, I have bikes. Um, and one of my favorite pastimes is just looking at used bikes. I, I like to just, I jump on Facebook Marketplace all the time and uh, kind of just scroll through and I don't do social media. I don't even use Facebook for the Facebook function, but I just look at uh, what's on Marketplace, which ends up costing me more money than I probably would spend when I find things that I don't need, but it's a good deal. It's used, you know, I'm, 
Uh, I like to buy things used when I can. And I, I rolled up here on a nice new pink bike. Pink is not my color. I'm a little, little gun shy about that, but it's also a really sought after. I found out after buying it, it's a super sought after uh, bike because of the color and they only made so many of them, but it's a beautiful full carbon fiber gravel bike. Um, I bike everywhere pretty much. I try to only get in my vehicle maybe once a week if I need to run errands that require a truck. So uh, spending $1,800 on a bike to me is not much um, and because I use it so much more than even my vehicle. Is that what it costs? Um, 1800 yeah, and it's used. Um, now, I justify that because I have probably $3,000 worth of bikes in my garage, and I've invested out-of-pocket $0, essentially, or potentially, probably more like I profited because I'm always flipping bikes. So it started as I need a new bike. I want a new bike. Um, I buy a bike. I find a good deal on it. I ride it for a couple months, decide it's not the bike that I really want. So I sell it for a profit and then I buy the next bike. And I realized after doing that, I could just buy bikes, enjoy them for a short amount of time. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year. I've had a bike as little as one day when I turned around and sold it for a three, I bought a bike for 300, sold it for 600. Nice, healthy profit for a day. Um, but it's, it's kind of, you know, to your, maybe a way you could look at monetizing your guitar issue. Right. And, uh, yeah. Wait, issue? Did I say issue? <laughs> um, your guitar addiction, addiction yeah. love. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so now I've got a new pink bike that I'm rolling around town on. Everyone's going to see me coming. It looks pretty cool. I don't know anything about bikes, but I was going to say, and then we'll get back on topic and, and wrap it up here, but the place that I got the last guitar, which if you're watching on YouTube, it's the National Resonator guitar that is on frame there was down in uh, Santa Fe. There's a little shop, boutique place, and I just wanted to go in and check it out. Like really cool guitars. Uh, a lot of them are, you know, 50, 100 years old. And then they have like boutique uh, makers that are, you know, smaller. You can't find them at Guitar Center, stuff like that. Anyway, I was chatting with a guy and he basically told me he did what you're talking about, except with guitars. And he was like, yeah, you can get started too, man. Like I just started collecting like you are. And basically he en ended up opening a guitar shop and he had, you know, like I said, awesome guitars, stay gold guitars in Santa Fe. I'll put a link to that. Shout out to Sean. I need to shoot him an email, but yeah, cool shop. If you're into like vintage acoustics, it's all vintage acoustic or like boutique acoustics, but yeah, maybe you, you open a bike shop. There you go. It's uh, a possibility looking yeah. for what's next. So just out of your garage. Okay. So I think um, one last thing, we talked about the broad ideas around golden handcuffs, some of the observations from like a five perspective and then a more, you know, general population, which totally <laughs> separate populations as far as mindset, but what what's at stake? What are the consequences of having these golden handcuffs on? Um, it, and we kind of talked around it, but just specifically, what what do you think? You know, so, and I can, I'll transition from, I'll answer that question and go right into a story that uh, came up this week. Um, I think the consequence is you're staying in a job that you're not happy with, whether it's your job, whether it's, you know, anything related with your job, whether it's what you're doing, the people you're around, the schedule that you have to conform to, the travel that you may have to do, um, the lack of, then then you look at the personal side, the lack of personal travel, the lack of vacation time, not being able to spend as much time with your family or focus on other things in your life, That fitness, health and fitness. Look at look at Carl uh, being stuck behind a desk and, you know, he, he likes to say that, you know, he got in the best shape of his life when he left his job. So, 
you, you can be in an unhealthy situation mentally, physically, emotionally, um, you know, and but stick to that because of these golden handcuffs. And I, again, you summarize things really well, <laughs> which is why you're here. And I'll, I'll just reframe it and just say like, it's the opportunity cost, right? right? Like even if your job is okay and you actually kind of like the people and you kind of like the job and everything's mostly fine, like you can be complacent, but there's always opportunity cost. Time is, you know, irreplaceable. I mean, like we, we all get the same amount of time, but you can't get, you know, more. Right. And if you're, doing something that's kind of okay versus like doing something awesome with people that you want to do it with, then maybe you should, you know, review what options you may have. Right. And so extremely relevant to this conversation, um, just this week, a good friend of mine, I've been working, I met him on a job four years ago. Uh, he's a controls engineer, been working with him since then. Uh, he is unbelievable at what he does. Uh, one of the things he is so good at what he does is he takes a lot of ownership. He He's good at his job, but he takes a lot of ownership. He's very technical. He's a mechanical engineer doing controls engineering. I don't need to go on about this because that's not the point. But Every controls engineer I've worked around, most of them that are good at their job are also very high strung, stressed out. Um, and I see many that are old, a little bit on the older side or been in a profession couple, you know, couple decades. I've seen multiple have heart attacks, um, many divorces. I've, we had a coworker here. Uh, I had a coworker here that had a uh, quintuple bypass. Yes, he had an extra artery in his heart. So five. Um, I've had one die in the parking lot of the plant. Um, so I see these health related issues and it's, you know, people that are in these high paid, but very high pressure jobs. So, uh, the controls engineer that I started talking about just now, um, this week, he told me he put in his three weeks. So he put it, he's put in a three week notice. He's leaving to go be a pilot. So he's flown on the side over the past two or three years. He's slowly, he has a, a dual engine license or however that works. And mm -hmm. um, he's been, that's been his hobby for the past few years. And that's really the only thing that kept him going. He said is having that on the side and being able to take off, truly take off. And, you yeah. know, he flies out of Longmont here all the time. Wow. Um, and uh, so now he's leaving his profession to move to uh, Texas and become a pilot. He wants to become a full, you know, airline pilot for the big airlines, 737, 747s. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's uh, pretty amazing. And just uh, quickly back to, you know, the people with the health issues and the similar kind of role that was all over like a 10 year period, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so many. Yeah. I mean, just, just Jesus. in the last two or three years, I've seen multiple heart attacks. Um, I've uh, been around two people that have died. Um, wow. and again, so part of it, understand it's, it's stress. It's also just not taking care of yourself when you're in this type of situation. So on top of the high stress job and maybe the long hours, um, you, people just stop taking care of themselves. Uh, we do a lot of travel and anyone that travels with me knows I like to eat and they see the way I eat when I travel and they think, wow, you know, how do you look the way you do? Well, I don't eat like that at home, but if I traveled all the time, you know, some people I travel with are very good. They're getting salads when they go out, they're eating very clean, very healthy, but that's still hard to do. You can get a salad that's 3000 calories. Um, so yeah, they're not taking, you, you could look like this and still have clogged arteries if you're eating out all the time. So yeah. that, you know, it's, it's a lot of aspects that can be part of your job that are going to hurt your health. All right. Well, this has been awesome, Jake. Um, where can people find you if you uh, if you want to be found? 
uh, through email is going to be the best way. And uh, you can email Doug at Mile High Fi or Carl at Mile High Fi uh, to get in touch with me. Uh, but also Fi Dilettante is my Twitter handle. I don't check it often, so don't be offended if, if you don't get through. But that would be the only social media that I might might see on. Very cool. All right. Yeah. And uh, that's our those are our email addresses, Carl at milehighfi.com, Doug at milehighfi.com. So if you have any questions or topics for future episodes, please let us know. We uh, we do case studies every now and then, which have been pretty popular. So if you have a specific question, if you want us to go over um, sort of your approach to FI or something like that, let us know. We also have a store open. You can get t-shirts or a mug. There's boxers on there. I think swimming trunks also. There have been a lot of questions about the mesh tank tops. Which, That's what I was just about to ask. Okay. We're still we're still testing them. Uh, Carl's nipples are super sensitive, as you know, uh, <laughs> Yes, Jake. yes, yes. So we're trying to find the right material and the right um, sort of uh, uh, weave for the mesh that won't irritate his delicate skin. Yeah. And I understand the hesitation as well. When he was testing those boxers, his neighbors got really, you know, he got some complaints in the neighborhood as he was taking his morning walks in them. Yeah. I mean, he really tests these things thoroughly. He does. So anyway, the store is open. <laughs> you can, you could check them out. And if you have a supplier for mesh tank tops, please let us know. All right. We'll catch, uh, catch you later, Jake. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the mile high five podcast. And I'm Doug Cunnington the balder host and carl jensen is the cool sexy one if you dig the show please do three things for us number one tell a friend a family member an enemy about the show we really don't care who you tell maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like it's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word it's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person so the virtual kind's pretty good and more importantly your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer. This show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.